0: You know, that means your iPhone or whatever you use, just so you could follow along because it's not going to be story time tonight, <laughs> and uh, I don't think that'll disappoint anybody. <laughs> but if you would, I want to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 10. I want to talk about Paul's thorn in the flesh. I'm, you know, I know you've no doubt heard a lot of lessons on Paul's thorn in the flesh. I've heard so many, I didn't know which one to believe, you know? Uh maybe you're in that same camp. My question is, was his thorn in the flesh, was that a messenger from Satan or was it a sickness from God? You see, Paul's thorn in the flesh is often brought up especially when someone is ministering in healing. And all of us have been there. And you likely, like me, have probably heard someone say, well, God gave Paul this thorn in the flesh, and God's the one who made him sick. Paul tried to believe God for healing, but he wasn't healed. And since since Paul was this great man of God, and the Lord didn't heal him, Why, who are we to think that God's going to heal us? So where did this misconception come from? You know, I think Randy would probably like to teach this lesson. (laughs) You know, really it's a misunderstanding and probably a misinterpretation of Scripture. And that's why I'm bringing it up tonight so we can talk about it. So if you found 2 Corinthians 12, verses 7 through 10, I'm going to read it. Lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan, to buffet me. Lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord three times, that it might depart from me. He said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I am strong." In verse 7, Paul answered the question. He made it very clear, the thorn in the flesh was a messenger from Satan. It was not from God. The word messenger there is the same word as angel, as we find uh, throughout the New Testament. This was a demonic messenger. It was a dark angel. It was sent from the devil to buffet Paul. Now, some have erroneously thought, and suppose that God gave Paul this thorn in the flesh. It was to keep him from being exalted above measure. And their conclusion is this. The thorn in the flesh was sent from God to keep him humble. Ever heard of that? Well, not so. You know, humility is important. So important that the book of Proverbs says that the reward for humility and the fear of the Lord is honor, riches, and life. Proverbs 22 and 4. So there's this godly type of exaltation. It's mentioned throughout the Old Testament and also in the New. One would be, example would be 1 Peter 5 and verse 6. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that He may exalt you in due time. See, being exalted, being lifted up is good if God does it. However, there's some who are convinced that Paul was speaking about pride here in second Corinthians 12 and verse seven. See their argument is this: Paul had this real problem with pride and arrogance, so God gave him a thorn in the flesh to break him and to keep him humble. You know that's just not a godly principle. We just read the Bible says, "humble yourself, and if God humbles you Let me tell you, that's not humility. That's humiliation. I mean, ask Nebuchadnezzar how that worked out for him. It's in the book of Daniel. See, humility is not something that we can force on a person. It has to come from the heart. In 2 Corinthians 12 and verse 7, it's talking about Paul being glorified everywhere he went. Wherever he went, he witnessed people raised from the dead, Acts 29 to 12. Demons were cast out in Acts 16, 16 to 18. And miracle after miracle is witnessed in Acts 19, 11, and 12. The people in one city where he ministered witnessed that it was drawing many people to the Lord. And they were saying, You know, I'd like to be like Paul. You know, I want to have the ability to overcome adversity myself. You know, if I'm locked up in a prison for preaching the gospel, uh, how about an earthquake coming and let me out? This happened to he and Silas in Acts sixteen twenty-five to 33 So every time that something unfortunate happened, Paul saw it turn around for his good. And people noticed this. And they were saying, you know, I want that kind of power to work in my life too. Satan recognized that Paul was drawing many people to the Lord because he was walking in such absolute victory and being exalted by God. So the devil, he wanted to debase him. He wanted to bring him down. He wanted to do something to keep him from being exalted. That's what 2 Corinthians 12 and verse 7 is talking about. "...lest Paul should be exalted above measure." Satan gave him a thorn in the flesh. It was from the devil. It wasn't from God. When I was a minister at the church in East Dallas, I visited hospitals on a regular basis. I mean, one day it was St. Paul Hospital. The next day it was Baylor Medical. The next day it was Presbyterian. I mean, we had people at Parkland. Uh, we had people so many older age people. They needed to be visited. I mean, even at times, especially Baylor, those nurses, they would call over at the church and ask uh, one of us to come over and minister to someone that was in uh, the hospital, probably near death. They didn't have a church. They didn't have, sometimes, even anybody in their family that would visit them. In that day, they didn't have chaplains uh, like they do now. So I've actually visited people, though, in the hospital. I I could mention verse specifically an individual. I can see his face tonight because I'll never forget. I ask him, uh, can I pray for you? No. huh? You know, did I hear you right? I mean, is there a reason? If there is, tell me. Oh, I'm like the Apostle Paul. God gave me this thorn in the flesh and I'm supposed to bear it. Recall though, it was because of the abundance of the revelations that this thorn came. And with those revelations, what did Paul do? He wrote half the New Testament. So doesn't it make sense that if anybody who hasn't had an abundance of revelations, like Paul, shouldn't be hiding behind his thorn in the flesh? And besides, it was from Satan and it wasn't from, you know, it was from Satan and not God. I've ministered to drug addicts, prostitutes, adulterers, homosexuals, and that's just to name a few, about receiving deliverance from God. And yet, there's those that have told me, well, like the Apostle Paul, I've just got this thorn in the flesh. You know, perhaps if someone had been has been using this thorn in the flesh thing as an excuse, Finally, I suggested to one, you know, you need to quit hiding behind it unless you've got so much revelation from God that you can write half the New Testament. Paul's thorn in the flesh was not sickness. It was a demonic messenger sent from Satan. Now, there's been others who've told me that Paul's thorn in the flesh was sickness. And where did they get that? Their reasoning is the use of the word infirmity. You see that? It's used twice in the passage that we read. Verse 9, verse 10. He said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I would rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure In infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses. For Christ's sake, for when I'm weak, then I'm strong. That's verse 9 and 10. You see, part of the dilemma is the use of the word infirmity. And why's that? Well, we send people to the infirmary, don't we? Schools have an infirmary. Daycare centers have an infirmary. The military still has infirmaries. Who are they for? They're for the sick. And so there's almost this exclusive use, uh, universal use of the word sickness, identifying with uh, an infirmity. But the meaning of the word infirmity wasn't limited to sickness at the time that the New Testament was written. How do I know? Well, one passage would be Romans 8 and verse 26. You know the passage. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmity. We don't know how to pray as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. The verse is saying that it is an infirmity not to know how to pray as we ought. Well, a dictionary over here says an infirmity means a sickness. But biblically, it can also mean a weakness or an inadequacy. And that's how it's used in Romans 8.26. Not knowing how to pray as we ought. Not knowing how to pray. We've all experienced this sometimes. It's a weakness. It's an inadequacy on our part. We don't have the words. It's not a sickness. It's not a disease. But some people suppose that Paul still was talking about a sickness in verse 9 he says i glory in my infirmities however the context proves it wasn't sickness all right we all know this was a letter you know if you could just somehow cut it right out of the bible and just have a little letter be a pretty lengthy letter that paul prepared and sent it's not divided into chapters it's not divided into verses If you turn back a page to 2 Corinthians 11, part of the letter, he'd already talked about his infirmities. 2 Corinthians 11 and verse 30. He said, if I must glory, I will glory in the things which concern my infirmities. Now, if we go back up to verse 23, I'm in chapter 11, one page back. Paul defined, he explained, and he listed exactly what he was calling infirmities. Verse 23, are they ministers of Christ? He said, I speak as a fool. I am more. And labors more abundant. What's his, what's his labors? Hard work. You know, it caused weakness. It caused stress. It caused problems in his life. In stripes above measure. In prisons more frequent. In death often. Of the Jews five times I received 40 stripes, save one. That's verse 23 and 24. Then in 25, five times Paul said, I was whipped with 39 stripes. Three times I was uh, beaten with rods. Three times he was cruelly beaten with an instrument uh, similar to a metal rod. They'd put a, a a prisoner in stocks and their feet would be exposed and they'd take this metal rod and beat the bottom of their feet, often breaking their bones. You know, we get a couple of stickers and we think we've got to call 911. He said in verse 25, he said, Once I was stoned... Not in the modern vernacular. With real stones and rocks. Where'd that happen? Acts 14 and 19. He likely died. You know, you ever heard of anyone ever living through a stoning? People didn't survive a stoning. It was brutal. It was painful. It was deadly. He says three times I... Uh, I suffered shipwreck, and night and a day I've been in the deep. journeyings often, perils of robbers, and, and perils of my own countrymen, and perils of the heathen, in perils in the city, and perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness, in painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. And beside those things which are without that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. So who is weak? Let me tell you about weakness. So who's offended? You don't think I get ticked off? If I must needs glory, I will glory in the things which concern my infirmities. So all of these things listed, what was Paul talking about? Persecution, hardships—these are things that Paul endured for the cause of Christ. Then, in Second Corinthians 12 and 9, he said, "Most gladly, therefore, I would rather glory in my infirmities." So, infirmities is talking about hardships that he suffered for the gospel. It's an incorrect application to assume that the infirmities that he referred to is some kind of a sickness. Sickness is nowhere to be found in the context. Paul never indicates that's the case. And remember Romans 8, 26, infirmities refers to a lack of knowledge, or lack of understanding about how to pray. So we've seen that Paul's thorn in the flesh, it was a messenger from Satan. And then many people jumped to the conclusion it's got to be a, the sickness because of the very clear saying, therefore I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecution, in distresses for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I am strong. One of the reasons that infirmities does not refer to a physical sickness is because 2 Corinthians 11, to 33 reveals otherwise. What are the other four things that he lists there with the infirmities? Reproaches, necessities, persecutions, distresses. These make it very clear he's not talking about some type of physical sickness. He was speaking of a hardship or persecution that Paul had to deal with. Reproaches? Well, that's some kind of an insult, an injury, a harm, being bullied, hurts. Necessities has to do with doing without certain things for the gospel's sake. Persecution, distresses, you can figure that out. That's easily understood. And all of these are consistent with the passage. To insert sickness would be inconsistent with all the other things that are listed. His use of the word infirmities is referring to hardships that he suffered for the cause of the Lord. Now, let me explain something. When Paul uses this terminology, thorn in the flesh, the original audience who got the letter, their minds knew exactly what he was talking about because they knew Old Testament imagery. There's so many examples all throughout the Old Testament. Numbers 33:55. 55. Israel was warned that if they failed to drive out the enemy, what would be the result? The enemy would be a thorn in their side. Joshua 23:13. The same warning came through uh, Joshua. Judges 2 and 3. Failure to drive out the enemy would result in the enemy becoming a thorn in their side. King Saul and the Amalekites. I mean, they come to mind, don't they? His failure... To drive out the enemy, what was the result? Generations later, you got a generational curse, surfaces, and wicked Haman. Who goes to the king, wants all the Jews to be executed in Persia. See, in each case throughout the Old Testament, it referred to people who were antagonistic toward and adversaries of God's people. Paul's thorn in the flesh was a demonic personality. It was a dark angel. It was a messenger sent from Satan that stirred up persecution wherever Paul went. And he made reference to this in the letter to the Corinthians, saying, in essence, if you go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 4, to the first letter, chapter, uh, chapter 4, verse 9 to 13, if you want to turn there, I'll give you a moment to get there. He said, We apostles suffer more than anybody else. The people we minister to, they are esteemed and blessed. But we? Well, we're despised and we're considered the scourges of the earth. 1 Corinthians 4, 9-13. to 13. He said, For I think that God set us forth first as apostles, but we're last. As it were, we're appointed to death. We are made a spectacle unto the world, and to angels, and to men. We are fools for Christ's sake, but you're wise in Christ. Well, we are weak, but ye are strong. You are honorable. How about us? We are despised. Even to this very present hour, we both hunger and thirst. We're naked. We're buffeted. We have no certain dwelling place and labor Working with our own hands, being reviled, we bless, being per- persecuted, we suffer it, being defamed, we entreat it. We're made as the filth of the world. We are the offscouring of all things even unto this day. Again, Paul was talking about hardships, persecutions that he endured. You see, this demonic messenger worked hard to influence people wherever Paul went, to persecute him. Paul walked in victory, but he endured more persecution, more shipwrecks, more beatings, more imprisonments, more rejection, and more criticism than anybody else. And Satan used this in opposition against him. Even though there was the power of God manifested in Paul's life, it came with a price, and it, this made others think twice. You mean the devil doing this turned people away from Paul's message? Well, they may have reasoned in their heart. Well, what he's saying is true, but, you know, I'm not sure I want to suffer like that in order to be able to walk in it. So what did Paul do? He sought the Lord three times to remove the thorn in the flesh. He sought the Lord to remove this demonic angel that stirred up persecution through people. It's illustrated, as i mentioned, time and time again throughout the Old Testament. A thorn in the flesh. What would that be? Congress? How about telemarketers? You know, see, we got the picture. It's persecution that comes through people. Paul asked three times to remove it. The Lord answered, He said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may dwell upon me. 2 Corinthians 12 and verse 9. David declared, Hundreds of years before, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them from them all. Psalms 34 verse 19. So through Christ's atonement, we have been redeemed from sickness. He was scourged for our healing. You know that, Isaiah 53. But what about persecution? Paul acknowledged this truth in Romans 8:17. He said, if your children, your heirs of God, your joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with Him, not get sick, but suffer with, that we may also be glorified with Him. Years later, he would remind Timothy, Timothy, yea, all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution, but I will give you grace to deal with it. Now, I want to see real quickly, this happens today. According to the latest report that I could get from Open Door, 2021, Let me just share an overview of persecution, suffering, and hardship that is being experienced by Christians or other religious people throughout the world. 400,000 North Korean Christians face horrendous persecution, torture, starvation, rape, slave labor, public execution. Their crimes? Well, simply possessing a Bible are practicing Christianity. In China, millions of Muslims, they're not terrorists, they're just Muslims. They're locked up in brutal concentration camps. They're tortured and used for slave labor. They're the ones making those $1,500 sneakers that are used for the NBA, by the NBA. Babies are forcibly aborted, women sterilized, and the healthy are killed for organ harvesting. In Taiwan this past spring, the Chinese arrested a 92-year-old Catholic priest. Why was that? To send a message to the Christian community to not undermine the Chinese government. Iranian Christians, mostly these are converts from Islam. They're enemies. They have zero rights and they're tortured for their faith. Nine out of ten murdered Christians in the world are killed in Africa. According to Voice of America, 50,000 believers have been murdered in Nigeria since 2018 over a three-year period of time. Well, that's about 1,400 a month. That's about 50 a day. In Africa daily, there's massacres, kidnapping, and raping of Christians. In Afghanistan, who knew there were any Christians there? They're the 10,000 to 12,000 left behind by our government. They exist as an underground church under the rule of the Taliban. Then there's Somalia. There's Libya, Pakistan, Yemen, and India. It's important that we understand that if God had redeemed us, freed us from tribulation, distress, persecutions, famine, nakedness, peril, or sword, which we read in Romans 8.35, there had never been the Apostle Paul. The gospel would have never gone to the ends of the earth. God does deliver us from sickness. However, there's many forces that afflict the Christian. Even he goes on to mention there in Romans 8. There's death. There's events in life, in angels and principalities and powers, which Randy's talked about, you know, for the last three or four times. There's things present, there's things yet to come, but these things cannot separate us from the love of God. He wants to assure us that God's grace is sufficient. We are not redeemed from persecution. We are redeemed from sickness. Now, the Bible says, if you need healing, call upon the Lord. I need healing. Your word says, O Lord my God, I called to you for help, and you healed me. Psalms 30 and verse 2. Therefore, Paul's thorn in the flesh was not a sickness. It was not a sickness sent from God. It was an attack by Satan to stand in the way of his ministry. Now, I don't know if we have anyone here tonight who needs a prayer for healing, but maybe we can stand in for someone who does. Maybe they have a bodily disorder, a disease, something hiding in their body. I want to close this by praying for them tonight. Let's bow our heads. Lord Jesus... I just come to you tonight knowing that you are the ultimate healer. There are those whose body that we know that is stricken with pain, sickness and disease. You know everything about their body. And we look to you first and foremost for healing and restoration. You knit our bodies together. You know us better than we know ourselves. You know everything that there is to know about us. And there's no one who knows what's going on inside of that person who is sick, who is ill, who has a disease better than you. And there's no one with greater power to heal than you. Lord, in Jesus' name, I ask tonight, that Your healing hand would be stretched out and touch that individual, that female, that male, that individual, whoever they may be, heal their area of pain, of sickness, of disease, and restore them completely back to health. And I pray that You will release any hold that the enemy has over them Over your beloved and wash them in your cleansing blood and now Lord we often don't add this to our prayer for healing but you tell us to if there be a willful unrepentant sin standing in the way of healing I ask that you reveal it that you make it known that you bring conviction in order that your loved one can be set free and so that they can be healed just as your word says in 1 John 5, 16 and 17. Father, pour out your Holy Spirit upon us. Pour it out upon our bodies that we would be filled not with the weakness of the flesh, but with your powerful presence. I believe that you not only are able to heal, but that your desire for all of us is to use us for your amazing purpose. I trust you in all things. And I join this group of believers tonight and know that it is by your wounds that we receive ultimate healing. In Jesus' powerful name, who heals. Amen.